gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 16 in which Peter receives a revelation about the purpose and role of Jesus. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no, to tell no one that he was the Messiah, the word of the Lord. Spirit. 
Good morning. I'm going to try to do this uh, down here, so I uh, hope you're okay with that. Um, again, my name is Jeff Palmer, and um, I uh, have all, during most of my ministry, I've been a stated supply pastor in a lot of little churches along the way, so I've preached many, many occasions throughout my career, uh, but my last um, stated supply pastor position ended two months before pandemic started. So it's been more than a year and a half since I last preached. This is my comeback. <laughs> I'm like Rocky Balboa, you know? Sylvester Stallone making his comeback, although not to a boxing ring, but to a pulpit. I think probably mine won't be as dramatic as his, but you never know. So anyway, I'm very delighted to be with you this morning and to share in the scripture and the prayers the opportunity to grow close to the Lord Jesus in our lives. My title about being Who Are You Now relates to the scripture passage that we just read, in which Jesus asks his disciples, and yet, who do you say that I am? So we could ask ourselves this Sunday, who am I? Who am I now? When we look in the mirror, can we ask, who am I now? Can we slow down enough to listen for an answer? In my ministry, I've had opportunities on many occasions to learn from people that I serve. And the people that I serve are dying because I work for community hospice. So on a full-time basis, I'm with patients and families who are dealing with terminal illness. And it is a privilege and an honor to be of service in those situations. Before, because in those situations, it's really possible for me to enter into a space where I can be a good listener and to hear what's not, no, no, not only what's being said, but reading between the lines, so to speak, listening for what's not being said as well. To meet people in their humanity, to meet them where they are, to offer the opportunity to let go of tension and anxiety so that they might rediscover their own dignity and remember who they are before God. So if I'm doing my job well, I'm trying to, in some sense, be a mirror for them so that they can be with their consciousness around all the elements of what's going on in their life. And that's really hard to do. Because with terminal illness, the first thing 99.9% .9 of us want to do is run away. 
We want to run away from the awareness. We want to run away from the feeling of hitting a brick wall. And that's really hard. There's pain. And there's suffering. And there's lots and lots of questions. So one of my, uh, one of my patients who became my teacher was dealing with Parkinson's disease. And of course in hospice we deal with not just cancer patients, but there are congestive heart failure patients, there's, there's kidney failure patients, there's all kinds of different diseases and illnesses that have reached their end stage, you might say. And lately we've had a lot of Parkinson's patients in our service. One of those patients, I'll call him Gary, that's not his real name. Gary, when I first met him, had basically almost no control of his body. He was lying in the bed, bed bound. His eyes were open and sometimes, once in a while, there was some kind of eye connection, eye contact between the two of us, but a lot of the time, it was just staring off into space for him. And so it was a very, very difficult time for me to figure out how to connect with him. In one way I was able to do that, at least on my end, was to just be with him in presence, to slow down my breathing and to come into a space of awareness, just simply sitting there. Recognizing the inhalation, the exhalation of the breath, and just letting things settle and be. And I sang to him because he was not of a religious background. I sang, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. And that became my signature, my tagline, if you will. Each time I went to visit him, I would sing that at the start of my visit, hoping that maybe I was making some connection with him. And sometimes he would try to mouth some words and all that came out was kind of a, a alphabet soup of syllables, unrecognizable. And then he went into a period of time where he was almost comatose. And I wasn't sure if anything was getting through. And he was on our service for more than two years. You know, some people think that hospice is, you know, if they come on hospice, they're going to be gone the next week. But we have people that are on two weeks, two months, even two years. So one of the times I went to visit him, I sat down and started to sing, row, row, row your boat, gently down the stream. And he, in a very small, coarse, hoarse, whisper came back with merrily, 
he was still in there. The shell of the body was there, but he was still in there. And that really taught me about the importance of treating each and every individual with the dignity that we all share in our experience of the spirit. The soul, the soul is there. The soul comes alive with human connection. One of the ways that we let go of our prescribed or developed identities, which is all around ego, is to be able to let go of the outer shell. In his case, many things had to be let go of, and involuntarily. We're given the opportunity to voluntarily let go of the ego's trappings. All the things that we do to categorize, label, judge, discern, discursive thinking, all those things that we use to understand life are part of the ego development. And good, healthy ego development is necessary for making wise choices in life. But the ego has a way of kind of building that all up to an excessive level. And the ego then becomes a barrier to our being able to sense the spirit's guidance. So we begin to need to let go. And the process of letting go is a spiritual activity. And one way or another, we need to find ways to loosen our attachments to ego, to identity, to the things that have made us who we are. All of the things that we come to identify with when we answer the question, who am I? Who am I really? For the necessary element of asking that question is a way to lean into the experience of the spirit. Poet Rainer Murray Rilke has said in one of his poems or one of his statements to another poet, a young poet, who was trying to figure out how to become a good poet, said, have patience with everything unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Don't search for the answers, which could not be given to you now, because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then someday far into the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answer. So asking the question, who am I now, can be a very important exercise for the spiritual life that we live. And in spiritual direction, which I sometimes get the chance to do, I 
have a client or two once in a while been working with me in spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is a kind of spiritual friendship. It's a way of walking together. We're walking together in life and trying to figure out what is the meaning and purpose of my spiritual life right now? What is God working with me to do? What is my role? What is my gift that I offer to others? Spiritual direction helps us to do that. And the letting go process enables us to do that. It's a matter of coming back to who we are. And that's why we have the scripture passage this morning, I think, very helpful to recognize when Jesus asks Peter and all the other disciples, who do men say that I am? And Jesus answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Actually, in this gospel of Mark, the answer is from Peter, you are the Messiah, period. The Son of the living God got added later, I think probably by the early church. But one way or another, whether you choose the Matthew version or the Mark version, we're dealing with something here that's very important to slow down and listen to. What is Messiah? If you just take the Mark version, which I like, um, the Messiah was the one who was going to come and restore, restore, remind, restore the original purpose and plan of Israel's religion to bring it back to where it was meant to be, to cleanse it, to bring it back to first principles. So with Jesus, we see the purity of heart. The Messiah brings the people the purity of heart. He is the one who cleanses the floor or the space for the people to return to those first principles. Purity of heart is something that we need to refocus on for our own lives and for our own religious understanding. Purity of heart is what it's about, and that's why Jesus could spend so much time with people that were on the margins for they didn't have all the trappings, you know, of religion to have to clear away. He brought them purity of heart. And in the passage before the one we read today, Jesus tells the disciples, beware of the leaven, L-E-A-V-E-N, leaven. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and scribes. Those were the religious people. He said, beware of that. And the disciples completely misunderstood and they whispered among themselves, he is re rebuking us because we didn't remember to bring bread with us. And Jesus later says to him, what are you talking about? That's not what I'm referring to at all. 
the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees are all the conceptual understandings of what it means to draw close to God. And Jesus is saying to them, purity of heart is to go beyond the conceptions. Even the word God becomes laden with all kinds of concepts and ideas prevent us from actually entering into an experience of the holy, of the divine. So clearing away the debris, clearing the floor for the experience of the divine is what it's all about. It's what we're all about. Purity of heart. How do we get purity of heart? One way is through contemplatively reading scripture, taking a phrase, thinking about it, chewing on it, let it become a part of you, just kind of living with it throughout the day. That would be one way of coming back to purity of heart. Another way is through prayer. Centering prayer is a wonderful way of doing that. Another way is meditation to come back to the breath, to the very nature of who we are in the moment, to be in the now. For that's where we experience the presence of God. When we're so thinking about the future or the past, we're not present to God. Our minds are too filled with other things. So we need a process of self-emptying so we can come back to the purity of the heart. A poet, Ted Loder, puts it this way. He says, Gentle me, holy one, into an unclenched moment. Isn't it interesting how the poet uses that word gentle as a verb? Gentle me, holy one, into an unclenched moment, a deep breath, a letting go of heavy experiences, of shriveling anxieties, of dead certainties that softened by the silence, surrounded by the light, and open to the mystery. I may be found by wholeness, upheld by the unfathomable, entranced by the simple, and filled with the joy that is you. Coming back to the present moment, the now, the breath, even when we are in times of suffering, we can connect with a moment of joy. That's what Jesus was about. Joy. Purity of heart. Simplicity. Connecting with God in the most fundamental human way possible. Fill me with the joy that is you. Another way of saying the same thing is a scripture passage from 
Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will guide thy path. Trust in the Lord. That's what Jesus was about, teaching trust, teaching, teaching faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. That was beautiful. Will you join me, please, in the affirmation of faith? We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God, who proclaims the reign of God, is preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image to live as one community. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the Church. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a minute of mission now, and Megan, could you come forward, please, and tell us about it? Hello, I am Megan. I am Megan Reese, and the minute for mission this month is on what schools are doing for for hunger. Now. Have you guys ever felt hungry? Anyone hungry right now? No? But imagine being hungry all the time, every day, no matter what. Imagine that being because your parent couldn't find work. Or they could find work, but it doesn't pay well enough to get food every day. Now, my school, Burn Knox Westerlo, does food drives, whole varieties of food drives, and fundraisers, and the backpack program, which is where, on Friday, the kids get a big backpack, carry it home because it's full of food, and have lunches over the weekend. And they, all of the food is relatively cheap, and from the lo- and from the local area they're also growing a garden and raising chickens for the school lunches as well as the other programs now that is all i have to say
Oh, shoot. If I can remember everything. Over the pandemic, they brought food to people who needed it, such as the the children and the elderly. Even though they weren't exactly supposed to, they did. Now, goodbye. Thank you, Megan. There is so much to our mission and food insecurity, and that was good to bring something new to us. Friends, when the spirit flows through us, we are people of honesty and justice. When Christ works within us, we are disciples of mercy and compassion. Let us be agents of God's overflowing grace as we offer up our tithes and offerings this morning. And let us pray. God of wisdom and understanding, send these gifts into the world that they may become instruments of your grace. Send this offering to your people that it may become a source of your mercy. May these gifts be bread and blessing for a world in need of your mighty spirit. Amen. We turn now to the prayers of the people and the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. O God, give us moments when we can just hang out with Jesus. Just to be in Jesus' presence with the wholeness of our being. To let him see all those parts of us that we rather not see ourselves and certainly want to hide from others. Guide us into a moment of relaxation where we can just be with you and know that you accept us just as we are. In this moment, there's nothing else that needs to be changed. In this moment, there's nothing that needs to be adjusted. In this moment, there there is nothing that needs to be improved. It just is. The serenity of accepting things as they are in the moment. And with that relaxation... We become aware of our bodies, how they're positioned in the chair, the pew. We become very much aware that you have a question for us. The question being, who are you now? In a sense, Lord, you turn the tables on us sometimes. 
So it's not we asking like the disciples. It's more you speaking your word of question to us. Who do people say that I am? And we respond with the same question. Lord, who do you say that I am? And back and forth it goes. Who am I now? We've heard all the platitudes. We've heard all of the direct statements about you, Lord, so much so that the religious jargon can become a barrier between us and you. Break through all of that with your question to us. You asking, who are you now? Thank you, Lord, for opportunities to rest in your presence. And guide all those who are struggling right now with the very nature of their anxiety causing them to be at odds with you. Whether it be in confusion, mental illness, physical illness, anger, or whatever barrier it is that keeps them from living this moment and being in the presence of you so that they're even cut off from their own life. Slow us down and bring us back that we might rejoice with you in the gentle breezes in the voice of a loved one in the cry of a child in the taste of a wonderful blueberry cobbler all those things that return us to the joy of being in your presence. And guide all those people that are working for you, Lord, in mission fields, in churches, on city streets, in small towns, and rural backwaters. All those places are your places too, and we are yours. Guide us with the simplicity of the words that you have taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. so much more than we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen. Amen.